Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of getting all the beautiful toys and then never using them. But the big question is, does it come in blue? You can have any color you want as long as it's black. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot there, Lucius. Yeah, thanks a lot there, Lucius Fox. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, that was uh, uh, Ford. Oh, okay. All right. The original. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, folks. This week we are talking about an, an issue that's come up in my campaign and probably a lot of other campaigns, especially ones that have a large technological base or has a lot of gear in it. And that is, how do you get your players to actually use the stuff? You know, ultimately, you also have to understand the equipment itself. Because something might be available in the game, and you were like, "I had no idea that that thing could do that." You know, um, I was—I've been catching up on um, uh, going through my my wife's um, uh, Blu-rays, but uh, the Expanse, and the yeah. Martians have power armor. It's not power armor like we see in uh, in uh, Starship Troopers. Okay, it's more like a an, uh, an exoskeleton that's yeah. super armored, okay? So at, at one point, a number of points, actually, it's happened many times, she, um, she this, this, this female Marine comes walking out in the power armor and everybody unloads on her with, like, guns. And she's just like, really? And goes over and starts smacking the hell out of them or shooting them or whatever she needs to do, okay? And it's like she is invulnerable to anything less than, like, probably a Barrett 50 or something higher. Oh, okay, okay? yeah. And, and, and you look at your game system, and you're like, uh, no, she's not. Because, <laughs> uh, like, for example, if you're playing Savage Worlds and dice can explode, uh, you know, someone could, you know, and, and that's... That's you know could be the lucky shot, but like a lot. Okay, you might want you might want to explain that term because uh, it's an open-ended uh, rolling system where if you roll the maximum number that's on a die, you get that number, but then you get to roll again and add the next roll. And we've seen ridiculous situations where someone has a D four for damage, but they end up with thirty six points of damage because they just kept rolling fours. Okay, it's kind of like the old thing for the old DC Heroes Mayfair Games version. Yeah, they had something like that. Okay, gotcha. It's just obviously when you hear dice explode, I think of the dark the Dork Tower comic about your dice. They really are out to kill you. Anyways, but yeah. the point is, is that you you have to then go and say if you want if you're going to have this thing in your game, then you need to look at your game system, how it handles damage. And this piece of equipment has to have enough resistance plus 
you know, plus margin so that, yeah. you know, if, if one die explodes, it doesn't get through. But if, like, it explodes three or four times, then, yeah, okay, that's the lucky shot, okay, that happens. So that you can have people walking around like this and, you know, and, and laughing at, and, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, a, like mega damage almost. Yeah. You know, you don't have a mega damage gun, so you can't hurt anybody who's wearing mega damage armor, which is something from Palladian Games, by the way. Um, so, and, and I was like watching it going, well, this is really cool. I mean, I would love, you know, I, I know I, have, I know lots of people in my game that would love to have this armor, okay? But she doesn't wear it all the time. And she has to do, and she's the only one who can maintain it because nobody else knows how to maintain the tech, okay? And, uh, but I mean, she's been able to do a couple really cool things with it. One was, of course, walk through a whole bunch of people, you know, not uh, knocking them off the, uh, uh, out of the way so that the people that she's trying to protect could get across an open area, okay? And then the second thing was where, two starships were trying to separate from each other and she literally pulls the uh, thing out of uh, uh, Civil War where, um, what's his name, the Bucky goes and grabs the uh, helicopter leg and grabs <laughs> grabs a stanchion and he's holding, you know, the... T oh, no, that was Captain was America. Was it Captain that America? That I thought yeah. it was Bucky. Did. Yeah, okay. he was trying to keep Bucky from getting away in the All right, all right. Well, yeah. anyways, the point is, is that he keeps that from happening for a while. And then, yeah. and then, of course, in, in, in the expanse, all of a sudden, sparks start coming. Strain gauge comes up in her, in her heads-up display saying, you're overdoing the, uh, you know, the, what this suit can do. Servos. Well, yeah. it's, just, it's just basically telling you the strain is getting, you know, is going beyond operational limits. And she has yeah. to, it basically starts sparking all over and she has to let go and separates. But it's enough time that the, the character... You know, uh, uh, the character manages to uh, to do what need, need to be done. Got those extra fifteen seconds that was necessary yeah. to, to do the job. And uh, so I'm just saying is that you know uh, that's good to do. It's uh, as a matter of fact, they did that in uh, uh, in the Perry Rodan series way back in the very beginning. They gave him all kinds of this really cool equipment. It was this thing that produced like a force field around the entire area, and they had uh, any grab, you know, uh, and other stuff like that. These were these small little objects, okay. And then you know, but then they got everyone said, "Oh, okay, here's your shields around your base. We're just going to sit up on the edge of these shields and pound the hell out of them until your shields go down or something like that." And He's like, oh, gee, man, I'm kind of screwed there. And he talks to the guys, you know, the person who gave him it, and he goes, well, why don't you boost it? I'm saying, well, how do I do that? He says, oh, you just unscrew the thing from the bomb. There's a couple of leaks, plug it into a bigger power supply, and you can't do it forever, but you can, you know, you can push it beyond its normal operational limits for a short while. And so he does this, and basically the uh, force field around this, the base basically goes, boom, you know, increases by 25%, knocking tanks for a mile in all directions and all these emplacements that people have been, you know, everyone just basically gets thrown back, 20, you know, like, like, like a bomb just went off, but, you know, it wasn't that bad, you know, and then he retracts it back down to its original size. They're all like, well, that didn't work. I guess we're going to have to come up with another solution rather than thinking, okay, he can't do that all the time. So having equipment that actually can be pressed beyond their limits 
also can allow you that margin we were talking about that make people a little bit more confident about using it because they're like, well, I have this piece of equipment, but it doesn't do exactly what I want it to do, but maybe it can do a little bit more if I'm willing to take some higher maintenance or maybe it'll burn out. But, you know, as long as it's not a prototype that fell through a time warp from the 30th century, I'll be able to get another one. You know what I'm saying? Prototypes that are from, you know, that, those are always the ones that people are afraid to use. They keep them in their backpacks and never use them until it's a life or death situation. It's like, you should have been using it the entire time. Oh, no. I, I, I have a, a, a thing for that, and I might have told this story before. Uh, Jerry Gentry, by, by, he, one of my playtesters, yeah. He had this campaign called the Master Souls campaign, where we hopped through various bodies and timelines and it was different mechanics and all this and okay it's take the character to your left or to your right so i look over to my buddy aaron blodgett and i take his character sheet he played a cowardly drow wizard and i look on the back of his sheet and we've been getting our butts handed to us through this campaign and i turn the sheet over and i utter these words you have a rod of lordly might and just, what? I didn't think we needed it. Uh, we've been getting our butts handed to us throughout this campaign. Of course, I'm glaring at Jerry, you know, And but you've had this all the time. You could have used this, and I, I count out about four or five different instances. And just, yeah, he had this, this, you know, Rod of Lordly Might's no small magic item. If you're D&D or Pathfinder, it's there in the core rulebook. It was there in, you know, the DM guide. It's supposed to be given to Teth level characters. Well, I mean, still, but he ha I forget what it was. This was probably, oh, God. But the, the point is, it's supposed to be appropriate to the power level of a tech level characters. Yeah, but still, it just, you, you were talking about characters having this stuff and never using it. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. That I mean, was there, that was Blodgett, and I'm just yeah. looking at him like. If you're a tech level character with a lot of lordly might and you don't use it, then it's really silly. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, it's just, we were getting our butts handed to us by various things. And he had this one magic item that could have saved us maybe four or five times. And just to this day, I can look at, you know, I'll look at Jerry and say, oh, so he had a rod of lordly mind, didn't use it. And he knew, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, if you have the tech and it's something that, you know, you can, hey, look, I have this, you know, use it. It's part of the having the fun, you know, like, like Bruce was talking about with, oh, I have this hacker character and he has this thing that helps him hack. Well, if you're you have this thing and you're still using, you know, normal tech, why do you have this gadget then? What you know, if it's going to help bring the awesome of your game, use it. Yeah, just so you're not, you know, you're you're not having a blodget in your campaign. And maybe yeah. he doesn't <laughs> didn't understand how to use it. Yeah, yeah, and it just he never used it there. It's just I kind of outed him with that, and I don't know if he kind of. Oh geez, no, 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 God, no, they know, and you know, yeah, I think he just had it because oh, it's a rod of lordly might, it's cool, At, in the player mind, not in the character mind, and just didn't realize the power inherent in this magic item. Yeah, it was the ooh shiny thing. Yeah. Okay, next point, which is uh, don't let them become complacent. Uh, you know the, you know if, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. 
And by that I mean is that if there is 500 pages of gear and they're using like half a sheet, start giving them gear. Start, you know, handing it out to them and, and make sure you know that you've done it, right? Like keep a list yourself and, uh, you know, and, and start working usages of it into your campaign so they start your adventures. So they start saying, oh, yeah, I do have one of those things. What? Yeah, I could do that. And suddenly raise their vision as to, uh, as yeah. to how effective their character could be, what their character can do, especially if it's something that's core to their character concept. You know, I mean, we came out, uh, you know, uh, we came out with a whole ton of uh, non-lethal weapons that um, that were introduced into the Bureau 13 game, but also, you know, and they were they came out in, in the newsletters, okay, uh, and uh, they were never part of the core game, okay. Uh, I mean, I actually, you know, in the first edition of Infinite Crossroads was a double issue because it included every piece of gear that I could stuff into those two, the, the, into that 100 pages, basically, okay? Because they were supposed to be like 40 each, and I just, and I just, I took all the gear that was in the game, it, all, you know, supposed to be in the game, that was in the book, and, and, the, and other stuff, you know, and all this other stuff, you know, including things like non-lethal weaponry. So they're like, you know, hey, this guy is running away from us. I don't, I'm, I don't want to shoot him. That I might kill him. That would be bad. Okay. And it's like, okay, so you've got glue grenades. You've got a glue net. You've got tasers. You've got, um, I don't know, some kind of sonic uh, screamer flasher rod that will blind and deafen the character so they don't really know where they're going, okay? You've got uh, bolos, you know, that can fire from a shotgun. You've got, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, you know, I mean... Neurotoxin darts, yeah. Just yeah, dart, darts with uh, sleep, you know, uh, sleep gas grenades. You've got uh, darts you can fire on them to knock them unconscious. You know, all these things, and they're all like, uh, I don't have any of those things. <laughs> I'm like, why don't you? And it's, the answer is always the same. I didn't know that they were available. Yeah. Oh, um, a good way to get into that, especially if you're a Bureau 13 team. Yeah. Uh, we're asked to do field testing for this stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, a Ray Robertson special. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, you, we need to field test this stuff. You guys are the guinea pigs to check this out. See if it works. And, you know, you can fill out reports when you're done. Oh, I like this. You might want to add this. You might want to put a bigger clip. But, yeah, we need you guys to field this stuff over the next couple missions that you have. Yeah. Uh, one of the pieces of equipment that was published uh, in, uh, in, uh, in one of the supplements that was put out was the uh, urban, uh, uh, the urban assault uh, uh, armor, okay. which, was, which looked like a regular suit. Well, uh, it could either be like, you know, like a leather jacket, you know, with fringes on if you wanted to do Western, you know, or it was like, like a regular suit. And the way it worked was that uh, it was basically there were columns of interlocking uh, uh, bucky tubes, 
okay? And what would happen is, is that when you got hit with a bullet or something like that, okay, it's caused, the pressure that it caused produced an uh, a electrical charge. And that caused the thing to basically, everything in the area to suddenly rotate and into a locked position, turning that entire area into like an armor plate. Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of that type of stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, okay, it's funny because they're talking about, the players are talking about this cool armor that they should be getting, and it's been in the game for 20 years. So, oh, <laughs> because yeah. they don't know about it. And I'm laughing, thinking, saying, uh, you know, we, these guys don't know. Uh, so, you know, and uh, so, yeah, and and, uh, and and the funny thing was is that uh, J.P. Withers, uh, who is a who is a rogue character in the game is based on a real person. The actual person who's a writer, uh, he wrote a little thing there saying, you know, dear Ray Robinson, he says the interlocking plates interlock all the wrong ways in the groin area. <laughs> Fix it right now. <laughs> Well, let's it, face it, if, if, if that, that is not a place that you want to have wrong locking plates, especially in the middle of combat. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. When you, when, when, when you have, and, and this is the old joke, when you want, when you are having, you know, those type of protective gears, you don't want them to be like a small hotel. Yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. If you know the joke, you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know like, if I can I, say you it. totally lost me. <laughs> I will tell you here. All right, you can tell me later. It's okay. Um, yeah, well, great. I mean, what I'm saying is this. So, and you can make it fun like that, too. I mean, so, you know, one of the things that I always loved. Oh, 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 okay. Gotcha. Uh, that was a, that was a, uh, uh, a, 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 a message, you know, in the chat with Yeah, I, I typed it to it probably in our Skype chat. It's an old phrase that it's, my one late it's hilarious. buddy would okay. say. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, folks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, making, you know, try, you know, making new equipment fun, you know, is, is, is also fun to do. But, like I said, if they, you know, a lot of times it's literally pure ignorance on the part of the characters and the players because they didn't bother to read the book. And if they did bother to read the book, they didn't, you know, memorize the equipment section. And, of course, if you've been bringing stuff in, if you're in a game where there's a lot of prototype-type equipment, unless they imagine it themselves, and, you know, literally most of these games suffer from a great lack of imagination on the part of the players, except for things that they're really invested in. Oh, oh no no I can I can agree with this. Um, my one player Carrie, who's in my Thursday and Friday games, her fiance Matt is a tech geek and a weapons historian. So when he was in that old Bureau Thirteen Black Powder game, you know the one you called Gnomes in Space because they made the the sub and it wouldn't you know. So yeah, Bart the riverboat gambler and tinkerer, and Matt's coming at me with you know. Hey, yeah, this gun was made in, you know, 1873. Can I make it? And it just has, you know, this type of armament because, you know, that was recent. You said Bureau Technologies, maybe 15 years in the future. I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, Matt's, you know, character Bart is just coming up with all sorts of gadgets. But that's because he was invested. He knew about Civil War and post-Civil War era weaponry. 
and him being an IT guy, he knew about mechanics and electronics and, you know, a little bit about chemistry and all that. And so, yeah, we're trading, what, what do we call it, gun porn? Because, oh, yeah, I've seen this gun here. Here's this video of, you know, this old Gatling gun that somebody sold on Pawn Stars. And, the, and we were doing this back and forth. But it's because Matt knew his weapons. Dragon Breath shotgun shells. So cool. Oh, yeah. F yo. Hello, my friends. This is FPS Russia. And today we're going to use Dragon Breath gun shells. Yeah. Oh, no, that was a great video. Yeah. But you're going to get those people who know and and you're going to have the tech geek, the weapons guy, the chemistry major who will this and this and make this. And no, in my Friday night game, uh, Carrie's friend, Gina, she's an industrial chemist. She works at a local downriver uh, refinery for Marathon. Needless to say, I have to make, you know, if I don't know something about chemistry, I will ask her. <laughs> and that's that's another thing about know your players, and we can, we're hearkening back to this. Tapping them for information to help do this stuff. Okay, I want to know about this weapon or this type of explosive or this type of thing. And I mean, let's say if you don't know, pick their brains. I mean, this is good for anything. If you're running a game in New York and you've got people raised there, pick their brains too. But yeah, if they have, they want to make these weapons or if you want to introduce them to your campaign, pick their brains and say, okay, I want this tech level. How would I go about doing it based on your knowledge of chemistry or munitions or electronics or hydraulics or whatever? You know, yeah. So again, this is the know your players because they will be sources of information on how, what, type of gear you can add they and in that way it's like collaborative storytelling they're helping uh produce and create this tech scale you have because everybody in every all of us gamers have the people who are the tech geeks the weapons geeks you know you know someone who knows the, the 15 types of swords used in 14th century germany you know you're going to have that type of person in your game pick their brains just oh okay so you have this type of sword oh no this one wasn't invented for 100 years yet and it was in two countries over you're going to have people that are going to pick apart your games so in order to have the stuff have verisimilitude find out about your players and what they know so everything's all right so they're not calling you on on your on your stuff three adventures in Right, but the the, impor the important thing here is that, you know, is, is for the players to have fun with the gear. Yeah. So, yes. you know, it, it, be gentle about saying no, to always try to say yes. You know, we had a whole podcast on yeah. saying yes. Yep. Yep. So we always want to say yes, but then we have to come back and say, all right, if we're going to say yes, do we, what limitations do we want to put on it? You know, yes, there is this kind of sword, but you're going to have to travel two countries over to get it. So yeah. are we are we doing that? Is that what we're doing? And they say, yeah. no, that's all right. Then, okay, then. Then here's another option. Not as good, but it's solid steel. You know, it won't break if you use it. And, um, you know, and, and hey, uh, you know, the local uh, the blacksmith will be, uh, weaponsmith will actually be able to repair it whenever he gets a big chip out of it. Yeah, you're not going to get that, you know, folded steel like the Catania you want, but Spain's a lot closer. And, you know, Toledo steel is wonderful. Yeah, it's not Japanese steel, 
but Toledo Steel was pretty good in its day. So yeah, we can, Spain's closer. Yeah. Yes, we we all pulled out our 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 edge weapons last night, just you know, just just to show them off, you know, and uh, everything. And, and I went upstairs and got my my wife's long sword that's made out, <laughs> made out of four forty steel with a full tang. And I, I mean, it was hard to get it in the picture, standing back from the camera on the laptop. It's really hard yeah. to get all the picture. I said, and then <laughs> he says, that's not a sword. This is a sword. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled this thing out there. And she comes in later and says, what is my sword doing on the staircase going upstairs? And I, and I said, oh, we were, uh, you know, we, we, we were uh, doing some uh, phallus waving. Uh, <laughs> oh I no! Need, I'm, I needed I'm, your. I'm I needed you your sword. Way, yeah. I needed yeah. your sword. <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty the funny. Shepherd, the Shepherd household, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, no. I've 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 done that. I I have well a few weapons. Just you know stuff I've collected over the decades. On my dresser, I have a kukri, which is that short curved sword that the Nepalese soldiers use. The Gurkhas. Yeah. I have a player and, who loves those things. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's not all that sharp. Point's decent on it, but not, you know. It, it, but, yeah, you're, we, we've done that in my game. Just, okay, yeah. It's like, no, no. Here. She, and they're like, Jesus, Trav, what the hell's that? It's a kukri. It's used by the Nepalese Gurkhas, you know, the soldiers up in the Himalayas. And they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, so so yeah, it's fun to do that once in a while. You know, you it may divert the game for like ten minutes, but right, you get right. age. Yeah, how much everybody knows. One of these yeah. days, we're going to do it again, and I'm going to pull out the Klingon knives. Oh no, my buddy uh, Perky God's husband has a batleth, and it's signed by like two or three Klingon actors. So yeah, right. That, well, this, yeah. this is this is the Klingon knives that were produced by weaponsmiths. Oh, you know, the Detach. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're yeah. curved and they got yeah. you know, serrations in them and they're beautiful. And uh, she keeps them in a nice wooden case, you know. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. 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 Anyways, they're very impressive to look at. You just pull them out and do the, do, you know, the crossed, you know, cross your arms over your chest and hold the knives up next to your face. And oh, everyone, yeah. Everyone gets very impressed and quiet. You know, yep. Come, come at me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I have no idea how to use this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, but yeah, give give gear to your players. Give gear that they've never thought about. You know, and if they don't like it, say, well, you can always turn it back in for something you do like, or even sell it or whatever. You know, and um, because sometimes you know it turns out that they really want a piece of gear, but they're like X, you know, gold pieces short of getting it. And maybe canning that out was just what they needed to bridge to the thing they really wanted. So, you know, uh, I mean, even if they and if they say something like, "Well, no, this isn't what I want, but this is what I really want," you've actually got them to open up to you and tell you what they really want. Yes. And and and, not, and people are much more likely to use a piece of gear that they really want than <laughs> the one that you're throwing at them just to get them to use something. But uh, just just to break them out of those mindsets, because like I said, my biggest problem is is that these guys are still gearing themselves up for a uh, you know for for the last century, and uh, and they're really supposed to be gearing themselves up for like the twenty third century. <laughs> you know, it's one of the fun parts about these kinds of games is that you get you're supposed to get the best of the best, and they 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 don't. 
No, um, I kind of do this in the aforementioned uh, Kelvin Universe meets the Fringe Pass campaigns I'm running on Thursday. And I cobbled together a Termellard. And yes, he's higher level. It, it's kind of like running the doctor and the people, other people are his companions. You know, it's, it's that type of thing. Yeah, he's 3,500 years old. His skills are through the roof. But I say, well, stuff about this is outdated. So how I do the tech, it's like, okay, Kelvin Universe, we know the tech there, the three movies. Then you have a Termellern. Can I do this thing from next gen? You have a Termellern with you. He'll still go, oh, that's adorable. Yeah, we, we had that like 75,000 years ago. And he'll make it for you. You know, it's, it's, you, you, it's, it's adding to the tech level because you have that out that gives you that advanced tech. And I mean, Star Trek tech is pretty deep, but they'll ask if we can do next gen. And again, and I just, that's my answer. You have a Termellon with you. Yes. And, and they're like, oh, okay, I can do this. And again, you know, it's a, and I've had to do it a couple of times and we've switched out players. And um, one of my new players is a young woman who is playing and, you know, French Pats and, Refer to our previous episode about the Forgotten Realms on the Fringe Paths. <laughs> a, a Faroonian rock gnome technomagic tinkerer. Who, of course, learned tech. Oh, no, no. Fixie is wonderful. The player who goes by the name of Nymph. The, 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 Carrie and Will and uh, Breakman Z. They've all just fallen in love with this character because she is just pure chaotic neutral. And so she's gauging, and I mean, she's getting into Star Trek. She's watching, she tried the original series. She just said, Trav, I can't do the, the acting's horrible. I'm starting with Next Gen. So, and she's asking, okay, this type of tech is here. What about in the game? Can I do this? And I'm like, okay, you can do it because of your skills. If not, you're going to need Schwad to help you, my Termellon. So she's learning because she, this is like maybe her third session next week. So she just started the campaign. She replaced Fur's character as the tinkerer. And so, yeah, I'm having explained to her the, the scope of tech that's available that she can do that's in the new world she's in and what Schwad can add to it. So I'm having to go through this. The others, they all know and they take advantage of it. Jeez. Oh God, they do. There are times that, okay, yeah, I do it. And they still find new and interesting ways to use tech. It's a little augmented and they still go 150% beyond of what it's supposed to do because they may know the rules or they, you know, know the science behind it or whatever. And it's like this new player nymph is just like, can I make this? Yeah. <laughs> make the rolls. Problem is she is a thing of, and this is a character imported from another campaign. Everything she makes, I basically have to roll a glitch. There is a chance that it will just short out. That's just something about the character. So we've already had fun with that, but yeah, um, trying to explain in-game, making in-game reasons why you can do tech is is a good way to do it, too. Have that NPC either, you know, like Ray Robertson, who you never see, you just hear about him, or have an NPC on the team, and he's the one that helps the players realize their gear potential, so to speak. I always use Ramona anyways. Oh, yeah, the, the clone daughter of Ray Robertson, yes. But she's a generation younger, so Ray's retired now. Oh, so that's how you do it. Okay, Ramona took over the family business, so to speak. Gotcha. So to speak, yeah. And she, yeah. Has, and she has these two guys that are like, 
you know, they seem like like the stupidest guys in the world. But she's all, you know, but she she's very devoted to them, and she's always abusing them, you know, <laughs> and they're always causing trouble. So because they're like not anywhere near as smart as she is, but who could be, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So um, so what uh, what are some tactics we can use here? Okay. So uh, like I said, there should should we go and uh, produce a list of all these different types of gear, like communication gear, tra um, uh, uh, transportation, uh, weapons, um, uh, uh, life support, blah, 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 and say, and hand that out to every person and say, all right, you need to write down some piece of cool gear that, that represents this. Okay. And, you know, and, uh, I, I just think that, that that writing that you're like everything that you... well, there's only about a dozen categories. It's not that many. I would just say, and I found this is easier. Certain discipline, like the tier and discipline system. Oh, you have this. Okay, then that means you can have this. Then writing down every type of tech that that's just a lot of work man just that's like uh, okay wait a minute. I, I don't see it that way but i i'm, I'm listening to you yeah it, it's i would say just give them the disciplines that are available technology wise not and and that way then well how's that different than what i just said i don't know writing every bit of tech that's that you can have no 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 these are categories. So I want you to pick a piece of tech in these categories that your character has. Oh, okay, yeah. So, okay, we're two two paths of the same destination. Yeah, not every single piece of tech, but just no, no, no. It's like, yeah. for example, okay. you know, uh, you know, the uh, in Bureau Thirteen, they all have ear implants. Okay, so yeah. they they can as long as they've got their phones on them, they can communicate over any distance using them. The only people that the only people who can hear them talking is each other, okay, because they can just basically whisper in their own mouths and it gets transmitted yeah. by bone conduction. Okay, in, in, in Fringeworthy, they have where, what we refer to as squid devices, which means super quantum interference devices, which does basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, with, with uh, spooky connections between atoms, and they wear them around their throats so that it basically picks things up from their vocal cords, and they sub-vocalize, okay, you know. And okay, yeah. They wear, like, you know, and they have, like, you know, ear, either it, it's, it gets, you know, transmitted up, you know, through their, uh, their, their trachea in their head, or they have ear in place, okay. But I'm saying, but, so they, we know they all have these things, but the question is, is there something else you should have? That you know might be like that, but would give you some additional thing that you don't normally have. Have ability with that is something that would complement that that you would like to have. You know, like ah. you know maybe uh, something like, like it's almost like Bluetooth. Okay, you know maybe you have a uh, shoot Bluetooth isn't a bad thing. It says okay any Bluetooth device around you you can you can basically suddenly hear it on your on your, your, your communication gear. So, you know, if somebody starts talking on their phone, you can hear, you know, everything that's going across the Bluetooth, uh, or, um, or you can basically uh, start talking to somebody in a distance, and they don't know where the sound's coming from. But you, so you're basically have co-opted their headset 
you know, the, well, it's kind of like in in person of interest, the phone cloning program where you get their texts, you get their phone calls, you can track them through their GPS. Yeah, okay, I get the I get the picture. Yeah, but I'm just saying where suddenly you start you start talking to somebody and they don't know where you are or who's talking to them. And I and, and to me that's like one of the most unnerving things I think you can do to somebody. You can really spook somebody by doing that. Well, yeah, because you're hack- you've hacked into their phone and you could be anywhere on the planet. Yeah, that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah. Right. But you, the point the point is is that you don't have to be a hacker to do it. You've got a device that basically does it for you. Okay. So, uh, you know, maybe it does a heads-up display and you just basically pick the person that you want to hook to and they go and do it. So, I mean, that's a communication device that you could say you have that doesn't, preempt the fact that you've got this other gear but it does something else that is cool that you might want to be able to do and, and once once one person does it other people say oh i want that too that would be really cool to have you know so uh that's also like you know getting people players to be your um uh cheerleaders for various pieces yeah. of gear that's also where it's nice to get together with them and say hey let's give this to you and you know but you got to promise me you're going to use it <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, so, uh, but that's one reason why I, was, I said, you know, make a list so they think about something they would like in each of these categories, you know, um, because it's, it, it'll be surprising to you. It'll be like the person that, you know, that you never thought twice about, you know, might turn up and say, oh, yeah, I really want this thing that, you know, and I'm like, well, cool, let's do it. You know, because you never knew they wanted it. You never thought about introducing it. You got to get them to open up. Um, and I've got some players that are very quiet or easily distracted. And so it's really hard sometimes to get them involved. So giving them more options of things that make them seem more effective, you know, I think helps get keeps them helps keep them engaged in what we're trying to do because they've got something to do. You know, uh, we're going to do a negotiation. And they're like, I had no skills in public speaking. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, uh, okay, fine. But uh, you could, uh, uh, you know, um, if they, uh, you want to use, how about you using a lie detector so that you can tell by you know, voice stress analysis whether they're lying to you or not. You know, instead of having to rely upon your interrogation skill, you can just check. Or you can use this as like a plus 10 bonus on your interrogation skill so that you can now, you know, uh, do that. And it's like suddenly these people who are not effective at all suddenly find themselves very effective and they, they're more confident and more willing to participate. So, uh, but mostly you're getting them to use some of that cool gear that's supposed to be in your game that nobody uses. So... And, and, you know, I heard about voice stress analysis all the way back in, um, oh gosh, now I'm not going to remember it. It was, uh, it, it was, it was this Indian who was a martial artist, uh, uh, movie way, way back, you know, like in the eighties and, um, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, it was like three movies. So and so goes to it was the last one was so and so goes to Washington, and they were and they, and, and they came across this piece of gear that could do voice stress analysis. They said, well, maybe we should like you know play run run all those speeches you know from Congress through this and see where they were lying. And they're all going, yeah, 
maybe we should. And then, then, and all of a sudden, you know, their their offices are getting raided and people are getting killed and stuff like that. But yeah, um, I can't think of the name of the. Uh... Yeah, it's not ringing a bell either. Oh like... well, I mean, there were three of them. Um, it was uh, the first. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It was like there was a whole lot of revenge kind of movies that came out where people who were you know were were who were marginalized get get abused by somebody and then somebody basically rides in like the sheriff who's part of their group but hasn't been with their group and basically gets gets payback so yeah there was a whole yeah. bunch of those that came out especially uh, uh after rambo not rambo um uh the, the earlier one um uh, the one before rambo uh, uh first blood when yeah. first blood came out and all of a sudden there was a whole ton of of uh, you know, uh, kind of like sheriffs riding into town, you know, uh, uh, getting rid of wrongs that happened so long ago. Anyways, so this kind of cool gear kind of stuff, where suddenly you can do something amazing, uh, is something I think would really resonate with a lot of the players. It also helps provide um, uh, more uh, spotlight time uh, and more character. Um, uh, we normally would talk about class uh, protection in D and D, where you know, when if if everybody has the same skills, then basically you know whoever has the highest skill gets to do everything. And having these kinds of equipment allow you sometimes to say, well, yeah, but I've got this piece of equipment, and therefore I'm going to be better at it than you are. So let me do it, or I sh or maybe you should be the one doing it, says the GM, or hopefully another player is saying that. Don't you have this thing that can do whatever? Because uh, one of the coolest things I saw in Harry Potter was was when they did the big um, oh uh, the, the the big the the sport that they did uh, Quidditch Quidditch yeah the big World Quidditch match and the guy basically stands up takes his wand and sticks it into the side of his neck and starts talking like a loudspeaker. And, and when that happened, I said, oh, my goodness. He says, what? You could do so much with that. Okay, yes, he's talking like a loudspeaker. Wouldn't that be nice to be able to do that, to shout down people that, are, that, that basically you don't want to hear or something like that. But then you could also change it so you sounded like somebody else. Or you could make sounds of animals. So like a whole horde of, of elephants are coming their way, and it's just you projecting it. Or... Could you do the brown note? Ah. <laughs> which, uh, which in our world appears not to be a real thing, but in, in uh, it doesn't mean it's not a real thing in other worlds. Yeah, if you watch South Park, folks, you know what the brown note is. Yeah, yeah. They they tried to do it on um, uh, uh, on MythBusters, and we're not able. Oh, we're not able to find the brown note. So. <laughs> So they considered that myth to be busted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the point is that, you know, here was something, some little thing that, you know, I saw and it just got my mind rolling and saying, well, if I can do this, then maybe I can do this or I can do this. Or you extrapolated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we want people to extrapolate. So their gear, if you can give them some open-ended abilities in their gear, that doesn't say this, you know, a, a knife is a knife is a knife, you know, instead say, well, it's not a knife, it's a, um, a cutter. 
and a cutter can be used for all kinds of things. Or it's a welder, but it doesn't just weld metal, it also welds plastic to plastic and even flesh to flesh, which can be can create some very weird situations and yeah. possibly tragic. Um, but anyways, you know, gear that can be flexible in that regard, say this is what it's for, but then leave it open-ended enough that they people can actually start using their imaginations. Yeah, when they start realizing and they start extrapolating, yeah, that's when, you know, it, it's, you know, like, like Star Wars, Star Lord. Yeah, when I get this going, I'm going to make a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, at one point I gave a Tamellern uh, element maker device to one of the players. And, oh yeah, I think I remember you told me. That. Right, yeah. and so it was it was in the whole um, uh, Faerun thing, and yeah. so he was using it to make platinum, you know, to pay for everything. Well, yeah, and you know, somewhere along the lines, one of the players said, "If you can make platinum, can you make like uranium two thirty seven? And he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> I mean, it says we could, like, create a dirty bomb and use it against these really bad people, uh, you know, and so forth. And it's not a technology that's, it's not, it's not forbidden technology because it's the nature of the, of the element itself that is, you know. And he was like, I never even thought of using it for that. I mean, we, so we had been either to produce precious metals which is basically precious metals as dust or to produce like hydrogen so that they could use it as a cutting device or to create lifting vehicles like dirigibles yeah or you know air for you know if they went into a underwater or they went into a cavern where they they had limited air and they could provide things like that that's what he was using it for never thinking about saying well you know we could uh uh you know, we, we could produce whatever this material that they call mithril is. Is it an element? If it is, then we could produce it maybe with this device. How about that adamantium? Is that something that, yeah. is that its own element? If it is, then maybe we could produce it with that as well. You know, and so it, it, the player never really ran with it, but all the other characters wanted to. So... That's uh, and and uh, he's he's actually had two different devices like that. He, he it, it sounds like it, because what yeah he just wanted unlimited wealth. He wanted unlimited options is what he wanted. And then he still kind of just like. But he didn't know he didn't know how to use it. Okay. Right. So yeah, you know that didn't. And and but he felt good about having it. So when he lost it at one point, he got really upset about it. <laughs> It was like, well, all you did was use it to get money, you know, to, to make gold pieces. Why do you care? And he said, well, okay, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, the, he, he, he was upset about that because basically what happened, he got captured and people stole stuff from him. Yeah. But I think he's gotten at least one of, he, one of the two things he was missing, I think he got at least one of them back. I can't re I can't remember, but I, I mean, but that's the sort of thing that like on on um, uh, in like Fringeworthy, where there's supposed to be all these alien artifacts out there. We had that talk about the you know uh, on another podcast saying you said how do you come up with all these super science devices, you know that 
with, you know, without basically turning your, your game into a, a clone of Star Trek. You know, because yeah. it's one of the few things that has lots of supersized devices in it <laughs> to, to use as examples. So, um, and, and I, I came up with two things. One was this element maker, and the other one was called the Tamelaran Construction Kit, which was this device that basically said, it created like a VR environment. You could basically go and say, I want to build this building. And then they would help you build the building, and then it would go ahead and build the building. And he's been trying to use that to make everything, including spaceships, ever since. <laughs> oh, no, no, I can see where it, it's your planning room for the the nanotech or whatever it is to build it. It's just your area as your, it's your workshop with your whiteboards and your markers, and it's in a pocket space. Right. That's all I've seen. And it's is. a smart yeah. system so that if you say, hey, I want it to be this tall and this wide or whatever, it builds appropriately sized stanchions to, to provide, you know, the, uh, the weight-bearing members that, are, that should be part of the building. Okay. You know, it, it, it keeps you from making dumb mistakes like that. You yeah. Know? So you, you could just do the broad strokes. You know, like oh, this, this, and this. You know, and um, he never even asked. He's never even asked me. He says, "Is there like a library of buildings I could just go and just make this?" And he just goes ahead and makes it. And he's never asked me that <laughs> in all the time he's had it, which is years. So again, players, if you don't ever, uh, sometimes you have to say, "Hey, would you know? You ever thought about using this for that?" You know, and then all of a sudden they're like, "I had no idea I could do that." Just like, you know, you know, hey, you ever thought about sticking your wand in the side of your neck and doing doing the brown note? <laughs> it's just, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's outrageous. That's why I keep doing it. Um, but anyways, um, I mean, uh, one of the things that they said about Tarzan was that he was supposed to be like a really good um, mimic. And so he yeah, could mimic all kinds that, of yeah. animal sounds and things like that. So uh, something that could basically do something like that, you know, um, would be a really cool thing to be able to do. And, you know, it, it, it goes all the way back to the stupid thing. It was like, this, you know, we, we heard a noise over there. And, 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 every, and every, all the player characters go, meow. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's a cat. You know, like, it's, a, it's, it's a mama cat with her kittens. It's no big deal. You know, and. Normally, you'd have everybody roll a perform check to see whether or not they yeah. pulled that off. Okay, but if you had a device that could produce the sound of a mother cat, you know, then it'd be easy, right? So, you know, they could they could use their imagination and not have to worry about failing a roll. You know, most gear I see as things that allow you to do things without failing. And, um, yeah. And, yeah. and that means the characters are more effective, which means the characters have more fun. Because characters, because pe players do not want their characters to fail. So I'm not saying don't ever, you know, don't ever put challenges in front of your players. I'm just saying this is that, you know, if your character by a having a piece of gear makes them successful, they should have that piece of gear. So just keep that in mind. Okay, so I'm kind of out of things, so do you have anything else to add? No, I mean, we kind of really, again, like Blix said, you know, killed the subject here. I mean, as far as getting your players to 
get into using gear that's part of a campaign, yeah, you have to, it's know your audience. Not only know the people that are at your table, but the people that they are portraying and have your hard limits set on what's available. Yeah, I'm and, and you know, try to give them situations that if they have this gear, that they'll actually use it. I'm not seeing anything we missed here. Okay, well, that was a nice summarization of it, Travis. Uh, thank Trav, you. Thank, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope you've gotten something out of it. We hope that it's encouraged you to maybe uh, address, you know, some lack some lackings in your players characters and how they use the resources in your campaign and uh hopefully you'll make your your game even more awesome than it already is if it is then uh or if it helps please let us know uh just drop a message on uh fans of gaming on the frontier on facebook or send us an email at the uh tritac uh, systems .podbean.com or just send us an email. We are fine with any of that. Just let us know how it goes and uh, and if you get over to iTunes and you want to leave a five-star review, we would love that too. So, Oh, yes. Yes. Anyways, thanks for being here. We'll have more for you next week, but you have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.